kind of ditched our intro. Should we st- we do an intro? I think that's fine the way it is. I think it's not necessary because now people know who we are. Yeah, but what if they're new? If they're new, they can Google us, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. At any rate, how are things going? What are you working on lately? I'm working on stuff that has a deadline. <laughs> Basically, that is to say, sometimes user experience takes a hit to meet deadlines. And as a designer, you have to learn, I guess, to cope with that. <laughs> Coping with deadlines? Yeah, or like coping with the fact that sometimes you'll have to settle for something that's not ideal just to get something out the door. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of, sometimes it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's a necessity, I guess, of the job. Yep. The thing that you, I think people should, or at least I, I know I should be doing, is like keeping track of those shortcuts to come back to them later when you have time and make them better or fix them. Design debt? Yes, that's a thing. Did did you just come up with this? I don't think so. I imagine other people have talked about it before, but that's what it sounds like to me. Design debt. Yeah, this this is actually perfect. I don't think I've seen it before or heard it before. So I will accept that you came up with this, that you are the the brain behind this this term. I coined it. Pretty much designed that. I'm always interested in the pull or push or dichotomy of like trying to get it perfect versus just shipping it. And I feel like there are certain designers that want to spend all of the time they can to try and get it perfect. Or there are designers that don't mind shipping something that's really incomplete and iterating on top of that. Which uh, category do you think you are? I am probably most certainly that latter category where I chip something and iterate and iterate and iterate. Yeah, I think I became like that over the years. I used to be not like that, like prefer to do things right the first time. But then it's not always possible and you just end up being frustrated anyway if you do it like that. So I think I thought about the way we used to work forces you to do that sort of iteration. I guess that was the experience, the professional experience that changed the way I work, in a way. We do have a a very heavy culture on shipping and iterating, and I assume a lot of that has to do with my attitude, just because that has always been the case for me. I've always found that if I try to make something perfect, it never gets shipped, and it just ends up as a design project or a local thing that no one ever sees besides me because I'm trying to hit that perfection and ends up not being anything at all. So I've always kind of, because of that, those lessons, I guess, earlier on, I'd rather ship something good and try and make it great down line than not ship anything at all. Yeah. I actually have that sim- like syndrome right now with my side projects. Like I've been working on this update on this speed testing app for like what six months now and it's just taking so long and i'm just doing it wrong but i don't know i i feel like it's good to have that sort of side project where i think we talked about this at some point like to have side projects where you can do it the other way which is like I want to get this right i don't want to i want to iterate but i want the first iteration to be as close to 
as I want it to be as possible and then mm-hmm. make the other iterations very minor. Whenever I try to do something that like that, I agree. It's always good to have those projects where you're putting a ton of focus and attention into trying to make it as perfect as you want it to be. But whenever I have projects like that, I end up not chipping them. <laughs> so it just becomes an exercise in me trying to make something perfect instead of making something good and, and chipping that. Yeah, I think this you're not alone in this category. I think a lot of designers have that problem. Or, or maybe not designers too. Right. A lot of people have that problem. They expect to ship something that's perfect. A lot of our clients come to us expecting to have a perfect MVP. So, yeah. you know, trying to get away from that as much as possible and, and trying to ship as early as possible, even if it's something that, that barely solves the job to be done, you know, it's better to start, you know, showing people and having people use something in my mind than it is to hold people off and try and make it perfect. And then when you made it perfect, especially with product, like mm. if you've made something perfect that people don't actually want to use, then it's not, you, you've just wasted a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's not the right way to do it. But sometimes, you know, like you still want to make it as good as possible even if you know that users might not want to use it, because, you know, some people think more of what they can put on Dribble and their portfolios and less about <laughs> who's going to use this or, well, even like everyone, I'm not saying I'm a saint or an angel in that sense. Like sometimes you think of also how you're going to present your work. And if you do something that doesn't look good, then it's, it's not going to be presentable in those contexts, like dribble or portfolio or showcase that sort of right. thing. I fall into that trap too of thinking that that good design is good visual design and it's a hard trap to get out of. But well, there yeah. there's a lot of good thought that can go into a poorly vi- like not poorly but a visual design that isn't perfect but it still could have, you know, a r- lot of good design thought around the app, around the interaction, around solving the job. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's important. But not to... Not to people on Dribble. <laughs> yes, and not to clients. Like, you won't be telling them, hey, look, I made this really smart decision here. Like, you just show them something. And you can tell them all you want. It wouldn't have an impact on them until you show them something that they think looks good. So there is a bit of reality that kind of holds you back in that regard. Like you've got to make your work look as good as possible, even though you know it's not the entirety of the job you do, but it's what sells is the facade. So there's no escape from that, I guess. Not just clients. I mean, clients, bosses, colleagues, what have you. Anyone with two sets of two pairs of, (laughs) wait, is it one pair of eyes? So yeah, something like that. But yeah. You're right. You need to get away from that trap. But it's also, I think, wrong to discredit the role of visuals in the end result. Like you could have the best kind of flow and everything, but like if it doesn't look as good, it won't be pleasing to the to the users. Like they would just come and go as, as fast as possible. I agree with you. Like I... I think last time we talked about the fact that I'm I'm not using Apple Notes anymore just because of visual design things, right? There are yeah. there are certain certain apps that I don't use because they're visual design. 
is <laughs> not up to my standard. I wonder boat. how much of that is because I am a designer and how much of it is because I'm just a general user. But as a designer, I agree. Like I, I want to ship something that has a very nice visual design is really easy and nice to look at. If I had to choose though, I would rather have it be something that's solving a problem versus something that just looks nice. So if yeah. someone does come to the app and, and it solves their problem and they just use it and are done and it continues to solve their problem and it doesn't look perfect, then that is still a win in my book in mm. terms of design. But if the app looks really nice and doesn't solve an actual problem, then the design is kind of almost going to a waste. Yeah, sure. They go hand in hand. But I think it would be sad, though, if some of your users don't use your working app that doesn't look as good as it can. And then they go to another product that looks better and might not work as well as yours. I think this happens a lot, actually. A lot of products get traction just because they look nice, even though they don't function as like better than their uglier counterparts. Appearances sell, right? That's like that's it's a thing that people figured out a long time ago. Right. <laughs> that's why there's a whole fashion industry. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as we'd like to say that, okay, our job is not about making stuff pretty. I think it's also part of it at the end of the day. Yep. There's a time and a place for making things pretty though. Yeah. You don't start with that. I agree. Like if you start with that, then, well, you might have a reason to start with that. Like if you need to convince stakeholders that this is the right direction. And I think I find myself doing it a lot more lately where I start with visual design just to sell the idea. And then mm -hmm. I'd go and work on the user flow and all of that. I think at some point it becomes important, but it's just a tool. Like you, you shouldn't make it like the default thing where you always start with visual design. Yep. I agree with all of that. So <laughs> how are you dealing with your, your design debt now? Are, are you keeping track of like, oh, I kind of skipped over this thing and I know that needs more, more attention. Is it a mental list or is it a list in Trello? Is it no, I, I avoid mental lists because they're not good for this kind of stuff. For personal stuff, yes, I do mental lists because I don't want these small trivial stuff to be filling my to-do list and stuff. But for work-related things, I try to keep note of everything. So I either use Trello or if I don't have time to open Trello and create a card, I just put it in Apple Notes. And whenever I open it these days, I, I remember you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I see your face in it. Like, hey, it's Kyle. <laughs> you see Even my face in the yellow text, the text shadow, and the... Encrusted uh, <laughs> text, text, yeah. They the, still have that. The paper texture. Yeah. So, yeah, I use that sometimes to quickly grab notes and, and stuff. And Yeah, I try to not rely too much on my memory because I will probably forget. Especially since, I think I said this last time, but I'm working on a product that has a huge number of screens and a huge number of user flows. So I, I can't keep track of all of that. I'm not in the target audience either. So it's not something I will use in my free time or to find that sort of thing. So you have to keep track of the areas that need improvement and stuff like that. So that once you ship the first version, then you can go back and start, okay, this stuff, we really rushed it. Let's go back and do it properly. Yeah, I've done that in the past. What I like to do is take screenshots of everything that I think 
needs another iteration and I'll just take that would be the entire app for me <laughs> just be taking screenshot of everything oh this needs iteration needs needs oh this too might as well record a video of the entire thing yeah but you're not going to if, so I take screenshots and then I upload those to cards and Trello so they're they're separate entities that I can later say okay I'm going to take another iteration on you know this layout or this card layout or this type hierarchy or whatever it is that needs another iteration or more thought put into it as like a concrete shippable thing. So I'll take a screenshot of that, throw it into a card in Trello and then throw it into like the backlog or some sort of like discussion area or all the way at the bottom of our next up column. I continue to have a log of everything that I want to do. So same thing that you're doing basically I just don't rely on Apple Notes just because I like to have everything in one place. Yeah, that makes sense. But I typically put it there as a way just to, you know, transition in. So later I move those notes into into proper cards. Yeah, I'm, that makes sense to me. I just, what I'll do is I'll take a screenshot and later like batch upload them to Trello so that I'll do a bunch of cards at once instead of doing them one off. So it sounds like we're essentially doing the same thing. I just have a folder where all my screenshots go. And when I know that I have a bunch of them, I'll go back to the screenshots folder and upload them all at the same time. Sounds like that's essentially what you're doing with the notes is you'll record it into the notes and then put a card in Trello. Yep. But are you working on some projects recently, or is it many projects? I started on a new project, well, new to me project this week. Before that, I was unbooked and working on ThoughtBot website. And I think the last time we talked, you know, I was working on sales yeah. and hiring. Those are the big things. Yeah, did you start <laughs> with a design sprint or... So this that. has <laughs> been a project that's been pretty long running. I don't even know. I think I think it's at least six months old. And so there's an already existing code base. They've already run a couple design sprints. And so far, I've just kind of come in and started doing... Actually, a lot of what I'm doing is kind of what we're talking about, which is I, I'm going through and looking at the UI and, and trying to figure out different places where... I can make a pretty big impact on the design in a short amount of time. Hmm. I also did some print work for the project on Monday. They were pitching to a big client of theirs and they, they wanted to go in with this 11 by 17, basically summary of the presentation. And so I was working on that and that was kind of fun from the same Wait, point. Is, of, it le- I is 11 do by 17, print. is it like what kind of size is that? Sorry. That is tabloid size in the United States. I th- tabloid. So I don't okay. know what they call it. In so is it around A4 size? I guess a bit bigger than that. Is A4 like a little bigger than eight and a half by 11, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not, not really a print designer. There's probably some people out there that will be like yelling at us. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I did actually. If we, we don't talk, know our print sizes. If we talked sometime in December, I would have had a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to print. I was doing a lot of roll-up design and actually business cards and stuff like that. I had a, almost like three weeks of doing pretty much just that. It's kind of not fun. 
you know, like when you work on it and then you you get it printed and everything and then realize something that does not look as you imagined it would look like some contrast is not right or some color is not exactly what you wanted it to be. It's kind of hard to iterate from there, <laughs> talking about iteration <laughs> and making it perfect. Right. <laughs> this is probably exactly why I'm not a print designer. This is because yeah. I liked doing that iteration. Yeah, that is exactly the reason, you know, I, I've always gravitated towards doing digital design is, is because, at least from my standpoint, I get to see the thing, the way, the, way the environment that I, yeah. Much closer <laughs> than that. Actually, I probably not, but yeah. yeah, at least for me, it looks that way. For other people, it might look slightly different based on their browser or whatever, but for me, it looks like the way that I designed it, right? Well, that's kind of not the point, though. Like, you <laughs> want to make sure it looks good on other people's screens. Otherwise, you're just cheating, basically. It's like you're doing print design and saying, I don't care, it looks good on my screen. If it prints like crap, that's their problem. Like I had actually to redo a lot of the things that I did. So like I did the first version and I I ordered it. It's a it's a quite tall roll up actually. It's it's like human size. Like actually it's two meters, so it's actually a bit more than that. And I got the first one and some colors were really not contrasting well with the background. On my screen they looked good. And I was designing like in CMYK and everything. So it's not like I was using the wrong color space. But for some reason, it, they came nicer on a retina screen. When they were printed, they weren't looking as good. So I had to redo it, actually. And then we like order it again. And now like the, the, I, we kept the bad version because, you know, like you can't throw it away. <laughs> it's quite large. But we put it in a corner where no one can see. And then we got the better version in, near the entrance of the building so that's like okay this is this is looking better so let's put it in front of people outside and i did also found like a couple of grammatical like things that i kind of like slipped by so i had to change some copy as well that sort of thing yeah going back to what what i said i'm thinking more along the lines of you know, the type is going to look rendered differently, whether you're looking at it in Chrome or Firefox, on Windows, on Mac. So no matter what you do for designing for the web, there's always going to be slight differences. And yep. I think part of designing for the web is just making sure that, that you let go of a lot of those slight differences. Where on print, for me, it's always been really hard to let go of the slight differences between what I see on the screen and what ends up being printed because like, I feel like you can be a lot more exact with your design. And I don't know, I just never had that same mindset. Especially if you look at it all the time, it's kind of <laughs> annoying. Cause like right now yeah. it's in the entrance of the office where I work. So I see it every morning. <laughs> I can't live with something that looks off. This is exactly why I'll never get a tattoo is just because like, <laughs> if I notice something just slightly off, it'll bother me for the rest of my life. Uh, the, you can have it on your back. You won't see it as often. <laughs> or your neck. You know, it's like there, there are tricks for that. I feel like, the. Uh, are you talking about the back of my neck? <laughs> back of your neck or, you know, a place where you can't see unless you're, you have a mirror. But or then what's mirror. the point of getting the tattoo? Well, it's for the others, I guess, right? I don't know. I'm not the person to ask. But the other thing that was kind of 
well, I wouldn't say eye-opening, but I realized that all the tools we use nowadays as like UI designers are not suitable for print, or actually most <laughs> of them. Starting by Sketch, which is definitely not a tool you want to use for anything that even gets remotely close <laughs> to print. It's <laughs> not the software for that. And I don't have Adobe products anymore, and I, I was contemplating getting a subscription just to get maybe InDesign or Photoshop. But in the end, actually, I ended up using Affinity Designer. And it's actually surprisingly, it does the job pretty well, actually. I'm surprised because it's supposed to be a like a UI design tool. But it's actually pretty good for print design as well. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, when I was making the decision of what to design in, I kind of threw out Sketch. I've never attempted to try to do print design with it, but I get the feeling that it wouldn't be that great. So I stuck with Illustrator. For me, for what I was designing, seemed like it would be the best thing to go forward with. I've never been a very big fan of InDesign. I don't know why. It is terrible. It's, I don't know, I, I used it once or twice for a book. Actually, I used it more than that. I don't know, it just feels, doesn't feel right. My assumption is that that's what it's really used for is, you know, book design, magazine layout, like things with multiple pages that need multiple layouts kind of thing. Whereas I was doing like a one page, you know. Posters or, yeah. Right. It's not nearly as good for that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's weird that we have all of these tools for different types of things. It's, it's really nice now that we have Sketch as a UI design tool. And we're not, at least from my standpoint, not using Photoshop for UI. UI just yeah. because of it's not really meant as a UI tool. No, it's not. But some people use it. I know some people who use it, but I guess those are people who really enjoy the geeky part of making UI, like all sorts of stuff about gradient bending and that sort of stuff. It's for some for some products is not as critical. Yeah, but I actually I really like Affinity Designer. It's like while I was working on this, like this is probably the largest piece of print I worked on. It's like a twelve thousand pixels by I don't know how many pixels. It was three hundred. DPI and it was you know like a huge canvas and it worked pretty smooth the only thing that would take a bit of time is when you're exporting but you have a bar that shows you the progress I'm 100% sure like if I was working uh, with a canvas of that size on sketch it would have crashed or beach ball within seconds and actually I tried that this today one of my design colleagues they asked for they don't have Affinity Designer, but they wanted to use some of those colors in web. So I had to export it to some format that Sketch can open. And when I just like export it as a SVG or EPS, is it EPS? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sketch just took forever and actually beach balled and it got all the colors wrong. So yeah, it's, a Sketch is not suitable for that kind of work. And I think overall, like Sketch performance is not very good. So I'm actually thinking maybe at some point I'll, I'll switch to Affinity Designer even for UI stuff. The UI is not the best. I'd still prefer what Sketch does in the way the tools are laid out and the shortcuts, etc. But it's just a matter of getting used to. Like if I get used to it, I will be able to handle it. 
in Sketch, wouldn't you be able to still design it, design it at a lower resolution and export it out at a higher resolution? Yes, you can do that, but I don't think it's the right way to do that in print design. You want to see, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're right. As long as it's a vector design, I don't think there would be any issues with that, right? Yeah. Well, and, well yeah. And you could have done the, I don't know how to use Affinity Designer, but like, could you have exported it out at like half the size or a third of the yeah, size? Yeah, I tried that afterwards. That's actually what I ended up doing so that they can open it. I exported a smaller version of it as EPS and then Sketch was able to open it without problem. But yeah, I mean, Sketch is not good for print. That's it. Like, just don't use it because it doesn't even support like different color spaces. You're stuck with sRGB or I think it's sRGB that the one they, they use when you export. But even I'm saying like even when you're not, you're not doing print, I have some complex like SVGs that when I open in Sketch, it's just it becomes really slow. I think Sketch was never meant to be that kind of tool. It's mostly for laying out UI, like a reasonably simple and smaller artboards, mostly mobile, I guess. And if you put too many artboards, it also slows down like the app I'm working on, as I said, like there are so many screens and I try to like group them into different pages, but even those pages that go like beyond 20 screens, they become a bit slow. Yeah, I noticed that too, especially if you're adding in photos, any kind of high resolution photo, it just crawls. Mm. Yeah. But I, for me, it's good to, to do a bit of that too, like print design and graphic design every once in a while. It's it's a good uh, change of pace. And yeah, I don't enjoy it as much as, the, as I enjoy the other stuff, but I don't mind it every once in a while. Yeah, I don't mind it every once in a while either. And this was just a day and a half worth of work. And so it was kind of like a nice change of pace for me. It was a good way for me to jump onto the project because I made a fairly big impact right away. So it was it was nice from that standpoint. But I wouldn't want to be doing that kind of work all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's some people do. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a different beast, really. It's not the same same thing. Nope. Okay. Do you want to wrap this up? Yes. I think you should do the outro. I'm, as I said, I'm not very high energy right now. <laughs> you want me to be high energy? Should I be like wrestling announcer? Yeah, it's like three forty. It's like nap time for me. No, you're, it's still like light there. I can see it. We're right, almost, but uh, that's that's it's like siesta time. It's it's nap time. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> I thought that was only in Spain. Austin is the Spain of. I don't know where I was going with that. Thanks, thanks. This is episode 35. You can check out our show notes at tentative.fm slash 35. You can reach us hosts at tentative.fm through the emails. You can tweet at us at tentative.fm. And yeah, rate us on iTunes. All of the stars. We've been getting some positive feedback, actually. I... I saw some stuff on Twitter, but I also like heard from people who listen to us that they enjoy the show. So that's kind of uplifting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Cool. Makes us feel good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>